0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We've been going through a sequence of halachot, of decisions, where Beit Shammai say one thing, Beit Hillel say something else. Generally, Beit Shammai are strict and Beit Hillel are lenient. The sages decide according to Beit Hillel, and perhaps there's a third opinion at the end. That's been the pattern for pretty much the first chapter and a half of the Mishnah Be'etse. And we're now going to conclude this pattern, But we're going to change it. Focused on groups of three. It's very interesting that the... Um, Somehow the Mishnah of Beit seems to be, it seems to have some literary patterns to it. But these patterns change as we go through the Mishnah. So let's try to pay attention as we go through this part of the Mishnah and we'll see how the patterns change. So how do we know we're, starting, we're changing to a group of three? Well, first of all, we begin varim, in three, three things but these three things are going to be effectively the this is the this is the boundary missioner the finishing off of the discussion of beit hillel and beit shammai and then the beginning of a new new sets of threes shloshadvarim gamliel beit there are three places where Rabban gamliel was actually strict like the words of beit shammai in other words, he followed beit shammai strictly rather than um Gosh, Beit Hilal, as we do. And by the way, the sages will follow Beit Hillel almost always. So Rabban gamiel is outvoted by his sages. Very interesting example, maybe for governance of government today, actually. The, the head of the bed din is outvoted by the sages. So what are these three things? Uh, we don't cover up hot food on Yom Tov to keep it hot on Shabbat. We don't stand up a lamp on a festival. I think this is a lamp that's fallen over. We don't pick it up and stand it up again. We don't bake thick loaves, but only thin loaves. Rukikina are basically sort of thin matzah-style cakes. And Rabban Gamliel, he makes a point. Gamliel, me hand shall bait Abba loha in putinga In all their days, my father's house never baked large loaves, but only wafer thin cakes. So that's his practice. And Rabban Gamliel, by the way, often differs from the established halacha. So, for example, when he's in mourning, he takes a bath, and we um, we don't take we yeah he, the sages ask him why. And he says, oh, well, I'm very delicate. I'm very tender. That's why I have to take a bath, even in the seven days after. I'm I'm in morning. I'm in Avel for seven days. I'm going to take a bath. I'm just a very delicate person. But no one disputes that the halakha doesn't doesn't allow it, but that's what he does. And it's with this kind of sort of uh, attitude that the sages respond to him. Amrulo, they said to him, what can we do with regard to your father's house? But they were strict in respect to themselves. But, and here's the punchline. But they were lenient towards all of the rest of the people of Israel. L'yot ofin pitin geritzin they were lenient towards all the rest of the people of Israel to let them bake both large loaves and even these are, uh, char- these are charcoal roasted loaves. So in other words, the people of Israel did not follow the practice, the practice of Rabban Gamliel. And I think this is probably the sense of the beginning of the Mishnah. In these three cases, Rabban Gamaliel was strict like the words of Beit Shammai. Maybe the suggestion here is that he does not expect the rest of the people of Israel to follow him. This is his particular practice. Now we're going to follow the rule of three. We've now changed from Beit Hilal and Beit Shammai to the rule of three. He also made three lenient decisions. And these were forbidden. Again, the sage did not agree. Hamitot. So one sweeps out between the couches. Now, l'chaber um, means to honour somebody, but it seems to mean, and Jastro will justify this, in quite a few places it's used to mean to tidy up, to sweep out. Somehow you honour the room by sweeping it out. And the sages will forbid you to sweep out because you may basically... Um, fill holes you may fill holes in the ground you may actually alter the ground structure by sweeping up remember they had dirt floors in those days but Rabban Gamaliel maybe he has a stone floor by the way um, Rabban Gamaliel will sweep up between the couches so we're going to we're going to eat Roman style reclining and the crumbs are going to fall on the ground between the couches. And after the meal, Rabban Gamliel, in, in Rabban Gamliel's house, they're going to sweep up between the couches. So he's going to sweep between the couches. They put a mugmar on, on, on a festival. A mugmar is a kind of a, a, a collection of spices which you put on the fire in order to make your house smell really lovely. And of course, we know that you can cook on Yom Tov, and we learned um, two Mishnayot ago that you can use a fire to warm yourself up on Yom Tov. So we're using a fire to heat a human, and we're using a fire to heat food. But it seems that the sages will not allow us to use a fire to make the house smell nice. It's not kind of personal. It's not personal warmth, and it's not food. Even though the spices in principle are food. Although Rabban gamiel would do this in his house. And they'd roast a kid whole on the night of Passover. Now this is after the destruction. This is not the Pesach offering. This is after the destruction. And when you roast a kid whole. I mean this is how they would roast it on Pesach. But we don't roast after after the destruction of the temple, we don't roast a kid whole because it looks like we're. I mean, it 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 basically it it looks like we're celebrating Pesach, but outside the temple, outside the structure of the temple, so the sages forbid. The chachamim osren and the sages forbid. Let's have some more threes. In three cases, three things Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah permits and the sages forbid. You see, we're in the set, this pattern. There are three things. And the sages are going to forbid. And these, by the way, are nothing not necessarily to do with Baitsa or to do with Yom Tov. So we're, we're just going off on a track of triple Halachot. The... um. His cow used to go out with a strap which she had between her horns. We actually learned this Mishnah on Shabbat. This is referring to an animal going out on Shabbat. Of course, the animal can't work on Shabbat. The Shabbat is a rest for your your um, your animals and your slaves as much as it is for you. So the animal can't work on Shabbat. But Rabbi Elizabeth and Azari apparently had this cow that used to go out with straps on its horns maybe it wasn't his cow maybe the the gemara in shabbat says well maybe it was his neighbor's cow but he didn't protest that's why it was attributed to him as if it was his cow seems pretty clear from the mishnah and bait it was his cow and the sages did not agree what else did he do you can curry cattle on a festival this is this is a curry is a kind of um Fierce steel or metal comb that you use to, kind of, um, you you use to comb out knots in animals' fur, and of course it's a metal. It's a really tough metal comb, and you can you can make a cut in the animal as you're currying it, and we're not gonna we're not gonna slash the animal on Yom so the sage will forbid, forbid it. Ve'shoch kinet apil pelbere chaim and one may grind pepper in its own mill. And we've seen, of course, already from the discussion about grinding spices that grinding spices, the whole question of grinding spices is um, is a question under debate on Yom to Can you grind spices or not? Maybe you can grind them in the Beit Hillel rule that you can grind them in an ordinary mortar and pestle because you need them fresh. The commentators on this Mishnah say we're talking about a small a domestic pepper mill where the sages might permit or a big commercial one where Rabbi Elazar ben Azarya would permit but the sages would forbid. Rabbi Yudah says, Rabbi Yudah says, look you wouldn't curry your cattle on a festival because it would cause a wound. But you cone them. You use a different kind of implement. We don't carry them. We don't cone them. We're not going to do this kind of work on Yom Tov. What is it about this pepper mill? And very interestingly, the Mishnah now brings another rule of three, which I I couldn't. Resist bringing just because it goes with the previous Mishnah, even though it's a, it, it's, this is more than the normal quantity we deal with in one Shia. shall shlosha The pepper mill is susceptible to impurity. in other words, it, it, it can be made impure because of three klim, three utensils. Remember we've already learned that anything defined as a clique. A kli is a finished object, basically. Anything which is a finished object, a kli, is receptive to Tumai. In other words, if um, <laughs> if it comes into contact with a dead body or a dead sheretz, it becomes impure and we, anyway, we can't put food into it on, we certainly can't put food into it if we're gonna, if a uh, if a Kohen is going to subsequently eat the food or if we're going to if we want to be in a state of tahra. so why is the pepper mill going to be receptive to tumah? well it seems like there are three different parts in the pepper mill each one of it each one of which could be makabel tumah, could be susceptible to becoming unclean mishum kli kibul the first one is the receptacle and this seems to be a wooden receptacle at the bottom of the pepper mill, but, you know, it could be metal as well. When we finish grinding our pepper, it's going to fall in the bottom of the mill, and there's going to be some kind of little cup underneath to catch the pepper. So that's, if it's a receptacle, and it's finished with clearly a khli, right? It's just like any other dish, so it must be susceptible to uncleanness. umishom <laughs> cli matachot. There's some metal clee, there's some metal utensil in it. This must be the grinder. There's a metal grinder which is grinding this pepper away. And because it's a finished-off metal object, it's a clea. It can be it can receive it can it's susceptible to uncleanness. Umishum klee And also because of a sifter clee. And why the sifter clee does receive Tumai is not really quite clear. Perhaps because the things, maybe it's a receptacle, maybe because things sit in it, or maybe because it's a bit like a cloth. And a, 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 of course, a cloth garment can can uh, can be made Tumai. So we're not quite sure why. And, but it, it's very interesting that the Mishnah is going to continue with its role, rule of three, And we will see a little bit more of these patterns as we continue the end of the chapter and the beginning of the next one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah podcast with Benedict.